the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your questions, Bible questions, church questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart, you need only to call us, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, today, especially with the streets being wet, uh, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You will be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, I hope you had a great day in church yesterday. We did here at Calvary Chapel. Um, I was talking with Paula this morning and just thinking uh, how privileged I am. What a life. Uh, yesterday, um, I got to uh, teach about uh, Jesus' crucifixion. Now, uh, I say that it's an honor and a privilege. I told the church that we were on very holy ground yesterday. Um, but you know what? That always, always um, is almost more than I can handle. Uh, out of all the, I'd rather teach Leviticus just from a, a fun perspective than teaching the crucifixion because it 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 devastates me internally. I mean, the reality of of uh, Jesus' suffering and torment. And we don't go into detail, I think, personally, that we're spared the details uh, for good reason. Um, and I, I, I find it a little offensive sometimes when uh, pastors and teachers will will look up the medical um, consequences of being crucified. And I just don't think we're, we're, we're intended to see that. I personally can't deal with it. So... Um, uh, yesterday we got to do it. It was sort of that mixed blessing for me. It's an honor to do it, but it was so, so difficult. Um, but it's the Bible. We teach through the Bible. We don't miss out on anything. So I, I console myself by thinking, well, okay, next Sunday I get to go to the empty tomb and everything is going to be good. So that's what's coming up here. Uh, a couple of things uh, before we get started with your questions while we wait your phone calls. Um, tonight here at uh, church, we're going to have our Monday night men's, women's, and youth Bible studies, so your entire family can come. Uh, we have child care for the little kids, but your um, junior high schoolers and high schoolers will be taught the Bible. Uh, Pastor Ken will be teaching them in. And tonight for the ladies, we're going to be doing the second week of our pastor's wives, sort of sharing their hearts having come back from their pastor's wives retreat, uh, sharing their hearts with the ladies. And that's always a blessing. So that's tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, if you want to watch uh, the ladies, uh, that's the only one that's live streamed. Uh, you can watch that at calvarysa.com. One final thing, and this is important. I'm going to ask everybody to be praying. This is Joy of Jesus Week. 
for us. Pastor Juan was on the program. He's our Joy of Jesus pastor on uh, Friday. Uh, and this is a very, very big deal. We're so excited about being able to go back. We've been off for two years. We've done this. This will be our 24th uh, Joy of Jesus. And, I mean, we haven't missed a year until the pandemic. And um, um, so we're we're excited to get back uh, and do what the Lord has asked us to do. And we would just love for everybody to be praying. There's so much going to be going on. It's this coming Saturday um, from 11 o'clock until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And um, if you get out there, you will see uh, more ministry going on than you imagined possible uh, by one church. And and uh, we'd love to love to have you come out and take a look. And if you're in the radio audience, let somebody know and they'll Make sure that you find me, and I'd love to meet you face-to-face. So please be praying. That's this Saturday at Travis Park in downtown San Antonio um, from 11 o'clock until 3 o'clock. Okay, let's get to some questions that have been sent in, and we will um, await your phone calls. This is a question from our mobile app, this one from Kirby. Um, The question is, will unbelievers see Jesus in the sky when he comes down and raptures the church, as mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, let me read the passage. It's verse 16 and 17. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will be the first to rise. After that, we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. That last line is so precious to me. Uh, from that moment forward, we will always be with the Lord. Can you imagine no separation at all? I say just be with Jesus all the time. Well, for eternity, we will just be with Jesus. It's a great thing. Kirby, unbelievers will not see Jesus. Remember, he's not coming down to the earth. He's calling us up to meet him in the air. So it, it's a whole different thing. And, and, and I, I make that distinction clear because there are a lot of people who think that the rapture and the second coming are the same event, and they're two completely separate and distinct, distinct events. So unbelievers will not see. Now, here's what unbelievers will see. They will see that millions upon millions of people are suddenly gone. Can you imagine what it would be like you're sitting in a restaurant or or you're driving uh, on the freeway here, a uh, freeway under construction, because they're always under construction, um, and, and suddenly there's cars careening out of control because the drivers are gone. Uh, that's what they'll see. They will deal with the aftermath. They will deal with the horror of of being left behind, even though at first most won't recognize that that this is what happened. But but eventually, over a matter of days, uh, the word will start to circulate that this is what those Christians were talking about at the rapture of the church, and everybody's going to have to deal very soberly with the fact that those Christians were right. Now, most will deny it. Their hearts will be really, really hard, and there will be all kinds of explanations offered. Remember that the Lord is going to send a lying spirit, those who are left behind. People say, well, why would God send a lying spirit? Remember, once the rapture happens, God's only relationship to mankind is judgment. Now, people are going to get saved during the Great Tribulation, and they will escape eternal judgment but they are actually going to be living in the time of God's wrath being poured out on earth, the judgment of the the, the great tribulation. So all of that's going to happen, Kirby, and uh, we'll see Jesus, uh, but unbelievers will not. Uh, unfortunately, they're only going to be able to see fear and pain. Here's a question from Nate. He asks if I would discuss the fear of the Lord. I will, Nate, and, and one of the reasons this has been a, a, a subject that I've been talking about uh, lately is because I think this is the one thing that's missing in the church. I think one of the things that we have forgotten in this world, uh, I'm talking about Christians now. Well, I'll talk about the rest of the world in a moment. But, but in just talking about Christians is we have forgotten the fear of the Lord. We've lost that sense of fear. Solomon, uh, the smartest, wisest man who's ever lived, He said, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
And for those who have no fear of God, it's moronic, and that is actually the Hebrew word that is used. Um, so the, the tragedy for us as believers is that in the church, we've lost fear of God. We spend our time trying to see how much we can get away with and still be saved instead of seeing how close we can get to the Lord and then respond with our behavior accordingly. There's no way if we really feared the Lord, there's no way, Nate, that we would make some of the choices that we make. Uh, we, we wouldn't decide whether or not um, we want to go to church on a particular day or, oh, should I open the Bible today? Um, we, we would want to do it because we have this healthy fear of, of not being with the Lord, not being with Jesus. We know that we can do really, really awful things. And I think we've lost that fear of the Lord. And the result is churches are softening God's word. Churches are uh, using worldly marketing techniques to fill their seats. Um, they're, they're preaching only passages of Scripture that are encouraging or exhortation or uplifting rather than giving people, as Paul said, the whole counsel of God. I think it's one of the things that motivates our ministry here, Nate. Um, you know, in, in, in Acts, when Paul was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, he warned them that savage wolves were going to come in from among their own number and devour the flock. And he said, if that happens, and we know historically it did happen, but if it happens, he said, your blood is not on my hands, for I have not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, let me speak only as a pastor for a minute, Nate. Um... There's a lot of things I could do. There's a lot of things I could do to get a bigger crowd, to get a bigger building, to make more money come in. There's a lot. Of, that's really pretty easy. If you, I, I, my, my, my past is a uh, life in business. I know how to do that. I had a friend of mine call me, and he joined a, a church on their pastoral staff who's into politics. I mean, full bore into politics. And he's making a big national name for himself, this pastor. And the problem is, he said, you wouldn't believe the money that comes rolling into this church since we've made this move to politics. We don't know what to do with the money. And we're not talking thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands. The money that's rolling in this church, and, and we can't keep people, we need bigger places— if I, if I would make that choice, I mean, we've always struggled with money here because we do everything for free. If I was to make that choice, it would be because I've lost the fear of the Lord. Nate, when a man looks at pornography, it's because he's lost the fear of the Lord. When a husband or wife decides to divorce because they're no longer in love with their spouse, it's because they've lost the fear of the Lord. When we allow our children to behave in ways or to be exposed to things that the rest of the world is exposed to, it's because we've lost the fear of the Lord. And it's something that we need to get back in these last days. So that's the fear. It's not to be terrified of Jesus. Of course, in his presence, there's the fullness of joy. But really, it means I know what I'm capable of when I'm not in the presence of the Lord, and I fear what can happen to me. I fear what I might do. That is what it means to fear the Lord. It's not just awe or reverence. My last comment on this, Nate, is I'll make it personal for me. My fear of the Lord is at such a level because I don't want to blow what God has allowed me the privilege of doing. And I know that if I lose the fear of the Lord, I know my flesh well enough to know that I'm going to do bad things. And I don't want to be a punchline and a bad Christian hypocrite joke. I don't want people saying, you know, he started well, but look how he finished. He got caught doing this or he got caught doing that. And and I have a, a healthy filial fear of God.
because when I look at him, I want him to say, well done. I'm actually obsessed, Nate, with finishing better than I started. And, you know, I'm a lot closer to the finish now than I am to the beginning by far. So um, it's something that matters a great deal to me. Jesse has a question. He says, is it wrong to vote for someone who is not a good person? but whose policies line up with biblical values more than the other candidate. Jesse had a similar question, I think, Thursday or maybe, you know, Friday of last week. Um, No, it's not wrong to vote for somebody. We're not voting for a preacher. We're not voting for a prophet or for an evangelist. Uh, We have a very limited number of voting options. And um, most of those voting options, people have character flaws. They have secret lives that they're living uh, they tell lies all the time. Politicians are like my old profession, car dealers. We're only lying when we're talking. And um, um, so, no, if if, if somebody's uh, done terrible things or they're living a life, we shouldn't expect them as unbelievers to live like Christians. Now, if you, if if there was a candidate who was a professing Christian, and I knew that that candidate, him or her, that, that they were living secret lives of sin, all the while professing to be a Christian, I wouldn't vote for that person, no matter what their policies are. I just couldn't. Judgment begins at the house of God. Christians stand to stricter judgment. But for most of the candidates, they're not professing Christians. They're not running on a biblical platform. But if there is a candidate who is um, pro-life, running against a candidate who is pro-murder, murdering children in the womb, that's an easy choice for real Christians to make. And we may think, well, well, but there are other issues. Yeah, there are other issues. But how could we support a murderer? And so, yeah, it, it's okay to vote for someone whose policies more line up with a biblical worldview without expecting that that person, that candidate, is going to be um, a real Christian, a genuine Christian. And one of the tragic things that we're seeing, Jesse, is that we've got um, churches and Christians mobilizing, um, throwing all their support and their money behind these candidates Uh, And we know that the candidate never makes a difference. Never makes a difference. So vote for the candidate that you believe has policies that were going to be more like the policies of biblical origins than, than those who are not. Thank you, Jesse. I appreciate the question. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Uh, if you are uh, outside the local San Antonio area, 877-630-KSLR. Mika said, why did God give control of the world to the devil? Uh, Mika, um, uh, God didn't, but Adam did. Now, I may have had this question last week as well. It just seems familiar as I'm reading it. But uh, it was Adam who was given dominion over the earth. It was Adam. And um, when God gave Adam dominion and Adam fell into sin, that was when the control of the world was given to the devil. So I hope that's a question for you. Here is a question from Rebecca. She says, How should I approach a believer who has no evidence at all of a relationship with Christ? Um, Rebecca, what we have to do is, is, uh, this is sort of a mandate for Christians. We have to uh, confront them in love. When you approach a believer, you just say, Look, I know you say you're a Christian, and who am I to judge your soul? But as a Christian, how can you live this way? I heard your language. It's filthy. I heard you take God's name in vain. I heard you telling dirty jokes. Or I heard you yell at your your wife or your children. As a believer, how can you do that? And uh, that's the best way. Now, when you do that, Rebecca, you have to be prepared 
you really have to be prepared for them to want nothing more to do with you. But that's okay. Jesus will be very, very proud of you. Let's go to our first phone call for the day. This one is from Ruben, our friend in Seguin. Ruben, thank you for calling. It's good to hear from you. Ruben, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Ruben. Thanks. Yes, uh, thank you for taking my call. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I have a, a, a little serious spiritual question. Um, as you know, with my physical incapabilities, uh, uh, I guess that's the word, mm-hmm. um, I am unable to go to church right now, and, and plus I don't have a vehicle. And I'm trying to do everything I can to try to get fed uh, as much as I possibly can. I, I, you know, I read my Bible, as you know, every single day, and I pray. And then uh, I watch these uh, uh, preachers on television, but I'm noticing that that more and more of them are are starting to say stuff that that is way like in far left field man they're like (laughs) they're not and and i'm just like oh my god and i'm just you know i'm just like you know lord help me so my question is you know as a believer who is in my position and the lord knows my position i'm not trying to make an excuse you know i don't want to get to heaven and say but lord this but lord that no um, but as a believer, how do I keep from falling into the trick of the enemy and believing, start to believe what they say, just because I know who they are and I like them, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I know that I should stop watching them once I yeah. know that, hey, this is not scriptural. Yeah, you know, Ruben, this is hard because... Uh, you know, Paul says that, that Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And and these guys are charismatic. They are wonderful communicators. Uh, and they have um, 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 just the ability that, that is, is given to them um, to, to convince people of almost anything. And, and you have to be really, really careful to guard your walk with the Lord. So two things. One, I think um, um, you're reading your Bible enough now that you're equipped with the discernment to identify that, that this is not good, this is not right. Uh, I can listen to somebody and uh, most of his stuff is right and, and, and I can spit out the bad stuff. Um, but, but, you know, it gets harder and harder to listen to somebody who is um, who's just not right. Who, they're, they're misrepresenting God. They're misrepresenting his word. And, and you're going to see that more and more and more. There's this great falling away or this great apostasy that precedes the rapture of the church. And I believe that that process has already begun. So you need to be super, super careful. It's also sadly true that these guys are the ones that are bringing in so much money that they can yeah. afford uh, to, to be exposed. I mean, they, 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 their exposure is unbelievable. So you almost can't get away from them if you're looking at uh, Christian television or, or listening to Christian media uh, of other sorts. It's almost impossible to get away from them because they're just everywhere. But having said that, and this is the, the good side of the coin, uh, there are so many wonderful Bible teachers out there, and with um, with social social media, YouTube, and and uh, websites that these pastors have, uh, there is a limitless supply of really really outstanding Bible teachers uh, that you can listen to uh, that will really edify you. Ruben, let me give you just a couple of suggestions, and and these these people are really easy to find. Um, uh, Adrian Rogers. Uh, is on radio locally, but but you can go to him on YouTube, and uh, and 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 find Adrian Rogers, uh, Calvary Chapel, uh, our g- group of churches. We have so many wonderful Bible teachers. There's a a guy out of Philadelphia that that I love listening to him teach. His name is Joe Foch, F O C H T. Uh, at Calvary Chapel, Philly, and you can listen to all of his stuff, and everything is there uh, for free. 
Um, but but that that's just just an, a, a couple of suggestions, and yet there there are so many. And I think what God will do is use the discernment that you're gaining to let you figure out really, really quickly uh, who's good and who's not. Paul and I, I'll just tell you this, Reuben, Paul and I, we love, and I mean love, capital L, capital O, capital V, capital E. We love listening to Charles Stanley. Uh, Charles Stanley yeah. is a, a, a Southern Baptist preacher. Now he's retired. He just had his 90th birthday. But um, I, I like the old Charles Stanley more than the younger Charles Stanley. And, and you can see him anywhere. And he's rock solid. Um, David Jeremiah is somebody that's, 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 that you can listen to. So there's a lot of people out there. Okay. Uh, but, but it's all free, and you can find okay. it. And if you do some rabbit trail hunting, uh, you'll find others, and God will honor your sense of discernment, and He'll let you know what's wrong and what's right. Okay. Okay. And of course, there's you. Of course, there's you. <laughs> well, that's that's not for me to say. I can tell you one thing. I may I may not communicate effectively, but I tell you the truth, and I tell you the truth in love. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Thank Ruben. You, God bless you, dear Bye. friend. We 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 really you. love you. Bye bye. Thank you. I love you too. Uh-huh. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Oh, I didn't see. Oh, I didn't know that half hour was over. Well, we've got 30 minutes left in the Monday program, 340-9585. This is the word to stand up for life. We'll be back in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. I apologize for being surprised by the program ending. I, I didn't see the notices that we're 54321 in minutes, so um, I'll pay more attention this time. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Antonio. He says, God hates divorce, so why don't churches put divorced people out of the church? Uh, Antonio, the, the, the quickest way to empty a building on a Sunday is to say, if you've been divorced, get out. Can you imagine? Where's the grace in that? God does hate divorce. But because, just like with Moses, he permits it because of the hardness of our hearts. And yeah, when we divorce, we have sinned against God. And yes, it's true that most people in the world that we live in don't think anything about it in the terms of, of, of um, you know, uh, this is a terrible sin. We just, it's so normal, so natural that we really don't think we're doing anything wrong. It's also true, Antonio, that that most Christians, this is a tragic thing to say, but most Christians are biblically illiterate. They don't care what the Bible says. We do what we want to do. Now, let me ask you a question. Antonio, Did you have you lost your temper lately? God hates that. Would you want us to put you out? Have you looked at pornography or had sex with somebody you weren't married to? God hates that. Would you want us to put you out? Now, you sound like you're probably a victim of divorce and you're sorry and I'm sorry for you. But the truth is, in church, every time our doors are open, this place is filled with sinners. When we're not kind, when we're not patient we get easily angered or frustrated with people. God hates that. God wants us as husbands, Antonio, to love our wives the way Christ loved the church, giving ourselves up for her, for our wives. And when we don't, God hates that. So why in the world would we just put people out instead of telling them, how to get back together with God. So that's what we do, Antonio. I hope that makes sense to you. 
Let's go to our phone lines. We've got Jerry from San Antonio on line one. Jerry, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Marie. Jerry, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. First and foremost, I thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I may get emotional. I'm already getting emotional. Oh. Thank you for the prayer yesterday. Oh. I had the total knee replacement this morning. I am here fully reclined, listening to your show. It's that important to me. Oh, thank you, Jerry. So I just have a little list of things. Uh, I've been wanting to tell you this for weeks. You were in Second Kings, verse 8. I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 5. The verse that says, at that very moment, who they were talking about appeared. Yeah. Okay? That is one of the many God winks that led me to attend Calvary Chapel of San Antonio since May of 2021. That's, I was literally having a discussion of pastors, and I alluded to this to you when I met you briefly. No sooner did I talk and left where I was than you and your wife, Paula, were walking into the restaurant, <laughs> and I said, there's Pastor Ron Arbaugh right there, because I had been listening to you on my drive to work. Um, so I was familiar with you and that kind of thing. So... I was raised Catholic. I've had good teaching. Robert Emmett at CBC, Rick Godwin at Summit Christian Center. But I just felt the Lord was leading me to a, a deeper teaching. And then as Reuben said, and then there was you. You know, you're on. I, I listened to Dr. Stanley and Dr. Jeremiah for 10 plus years easily. So I'm glad to know that I'm on the right track there as well. Um. And before I forget, I heard on K-Love, this is Pastor Appreciation Month. I cannot, I'm choking up. Oh, Jerry, bless your heart. I cannot thank you enough. Your teaching of the Word is phenomenal. The verse by verse is unlike anything, capital letters, anything unlike anything I've ever sat under. The Holy Spirit speaks through you. As I've heard pastors say before, I'm not where I used to be. Or no, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Yeah. I am growing leaps and bounds under your teaching, verse by verse from the Bible. Uh, so I, I want to encourage you so much. I know a lot of pastors take a lot of criticism. They get beat up. You're under a lot of pressure. What you and Paula are doing is just, I, I just cannot thank you enough. My heart just aches for what I'm learning at your church. Pastor Ken on Mondays and Pastor Alfredo on Saturdays. I just love that place. Yeah, and I, I tell you. people all the time about the church. You know, Christians take a big hit for being hypocrites. There are no hypocrites at Calvary. If anybody's a hypocrite, it's probably me. But those <laughs> people are the real deal. Pastor yeah. Elaine and his family, when I've told him multiple times, I almost cried telling him the same thing. His family is such an example, it's just, I, I don't even have words to describe it. Yeah. I appreciate what Sam does, but he tried to get him booked on a comedy show. Maybe he could go on Huckabee as a guest. <laughs> but uh, verse by verse is phenomenal, and I, I do want to call out special attention. Two of them, I mean, a lot of people are, have been so supportive of me with the surgery today. My leg is still basically numb from the blocks that they administered. So mm -hmm. they say when the block wears off, be prepared. 
but I'm doing really well so far with the surgery. And I do want to call special attention to Gary, the one that plays the guitar on Monday nights prior to the men's mm-hmm. group, and also to Augustina Mushale. <laughs> I hope I didn't butcher her last name. I had the pleasure of meeting her husband yesterday. Anyway, they have been reaching out to me all day. It just makes me cry. Oh, it makes me proud. The, the, su- the support of that church, I, to the people that are listening, if you are searching for a church, I'm telling you, once you go to Calvary Chapel of San Antonio on Pat Booker Road, your search is over. That <laughs> Jerry, place thank is, you, Jerry. is phenomenal. I thank mean you, Jerry. it. I am yeah. so sincere. I'm, you I'm, have I'm, no idea. I'm, I'm blushing, Jerry. I'm not to cry. Yeah. I'm blushing. I don't like to be um, the, the center of attention here. Let me say this. I, I, I'm, I'm grateful when I saw your name. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that it would be you because I knew you had the surgery today. But uh, Paul and I prayed for you again this morning, of course. And, and I, uh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. We just want you to know our, our hearts are with you. And I remember that day that uh, you were walking out of the hamburger place and we were walking yeah. in. And, uh, you know, those divine appointments are really good things. God bless you, Jerry. Thank you very, very much for your kindness. Yes, I'm sorry for the long call, but I, I okay. love you so much. And, Paula, thank you so much. Thank you, and I'll see you as soon as I'm able to get in there. Okay, God bless you. Thank you very, thank very you much. Thank you so much. Yeah. Huh. See, I don't like to let people talk that long when they're saying stuff like that. But but uh, thank you, Jerry. I appreciate it more than you know. Let's go to William holding on the line from San Antonio. William, thank you for your patience. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I love Hi, William. you, man. Thank you. I was kind of disappointed I got behind Jerry there because I knew he would go on forever, but you know what? <laughs> he said everything that I would want to say, so I don't have to say it, but um, you guys are unbelievable. And the verse by verse is the best. That is That is just the way to do it, so Anyways, I do have a question. Okay. Um, so I'm always talking to my kids, uh, school kids and, and, and my kids and everything about, about nobody has any courage. So in Revelation, I believe it's 21.8. I was driving, so I didn't open up to make sure. But 21.8 where, you know, he lists who's not going to heaven. It was cowards and unbelievers was the first thing he listed. So can you expound on that a little bit, especially the coward part and and what we do need to have as far as courage? Yeah, you know, um, William, these are these are the kind of things that are are um, really difficult because um, most of the time we take them out of context. But the idea of of having courage. Uh, it's a courage to, to of our convictions. It's a courage to take a stand for the Lord. And, um, you know, God gives us the power to do that, and yet we don't. We quench the power of the Spirit. I'll give you an example. The Apostle Paul, um, after being chased out of every town he ever went into by Jews who were trying to murder him, um, he, he prayed in, in Romans chapter 9. It wasn't a prayer. It was just a statement. Um, that, that he would give his place in heaven, the first four verses of Romans 9. I'd give my place in heaven if only my brothers, the Jews, would believe. Um, and, and he had the courage to keep going right into the, the, the jaws of the lion, um, figuratively, um, knowing that it was going to cause him trouble. If you read Second Corinthians, especially chapter 12, 11 and 12, if you read those chapters and see the things that he endured, and he had the courage to persevere. And sadly, in our church culture, uh, and I touched on this in a message that I did yesterday here at church, you know, we we don't share our faith with people because, well, it might cost me my job, or my boss might get mad, or I might offend somebody, or even worse, somebody might think that I'm one of those Jesus freaks. The reality is we've got to have the courage to take a stand with and for Jesus in this world. We've got to be brave enough to say um, this is right and this is wrong and challenge the, the, the prevailing thought processes in this world. And we just don't do it. And, and God knows those of us who are cowards. It's, 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 um, um, we don't stand for the Lord just because it would make us uncomfortable. And he knows those who are there. And I think the assumption there in the book of Revelation is that 
um, a lot of the people who took the mark of the beast, a lot of the people who are going to die in judgment uh, are dying because they were cowards. They wouldn't say no to what they knew was wrong. They just wouldn't say no, and they wouldn't say yes to that which they know they're supposed to do. So I hope that makes sense to you, William. Thank you very much for the call and for your kind words. Let's go to Cindy on line two from San Antonio. Cindy, thank you for holding your on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. You just had a question a little bit ago about the rapture, and it got me thinking about what's going to happen with our bodies, because we're going to get new bodies. We're going to be transformed in the twinkling of an eye. So I was thinking about our bodies, if they'll just go poof and be gone, or if we'll just leave our bodies here and and we'll just um, go on up there. So that was my question, and um, I'll... I'll just get off the phone and listen. Bye. Thank you, Cindy. You know, Cindy, uh, I think the prevailing thought is is that we're just going to, these bodies will be left behind just ashes, just pshht, burn up as we, we, we move into that, that holy existence. Um, I'm not so sure that's the case. Now, I think that's what what 90% plus of the Bible teachers would tell you. And the picture of the rapture, of course, is that, that our clothes are left behind and we're just gone. All our jewelry is left behind and we're just gone. I'm, I'm really not so sure that that's the case. There's no way to know because we're not given uh, the specifics on the rapture. Um, but, um, you know, um, the, the idea that we'll be transformed uh, that Greek word is metamorphosis, uh, or the or the word we get our word metamorphosis from. It's metamorpho o in in Greek, and and it describes a, a, a caterpillar turning into a butterfly, and and if that's a picture that was intentionally painted by the Lord, well, you know the the caterpillar at least there's there's a shell left. There's something left behind, uh, and the butterfly flies away. Um, I think it's very possible that uh, the rapture of the church will be us leaving these bodies, very similar to death. You know, when we die physically, our bodies are left behind. And, and the angel who escorts us into the presence of God simply gives us a hand and takes the real us, the spirit, and, and, and takes us into the presence of the Lord. Um, and and I, I tend to, to believe that that's going to be the case. So I would not be at all surprised if our shells, our our temporary homes, were left behind, and then our, as our spirit began that that move into the heavens to meet Jesus, then that that would be met with our glorified resurrected bodies. So there's no way to know for sure because they're not telling us. Um, the the standard company line is that. Um, we'll be gone just leaving our clothes and stuff behind. Uh, but I'm not so sure, Cindy, that that's the case. Wish I knew the answer, um, but we'll find out, won't we? Thank you for the, the question. 340-9585. Here's an important question from Sonny. He says, how do I deal with anger because I really struggle? Um, Sonny, Paul talks about taking our thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. So I think most of us, when we get angry, we have a sense of how that feels. Uh, you know, if I start to get angry, uh, I know exactly where I'm going. You know, it starts out small, but I'm getting anger and angry, and it just sort of builds up. It's like pressure building up. And um, I know what's going to happen. I've got to make a decision right then and there that I'm not going to go there because I don't want to misrepresent the Lord. And I think that's the most practical way to deal with anger. Um, we just have to realize that, that that I really don't want to do anything that's going to misrepresent Jesus. I don't want to bring him shame. Uh, I, I don't want my family to see me misrepresenting him. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to deal with anger. Now, let me also say this, Sonny. People that really give in to their anger are among the most selfish people in the world. God did not get angry at you for all of your sins for all of your resistance and rebellion before you got saved. Since you've been saved, Sonny, God hasn't gotten angry at you when you've fallen short. And I think what we've got to do is just recognize that the reality is that we have no right to get angry with people that God loves 
for no other reason. He didn't get angry with us. So you got to die to your flesh, Sonny. You got to just say, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to misrepresent God. And if you'll do that, the Holy Spirit will be there and he will remind you, maybe you need to take a walk. Maybe you need to get away and pray. Maybe you need to open your Bible. Maybe you just need to say, Jesus, don't let me do this and embarrass you or bring you shame. But you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Nowhere in that list is anger. We're told in the Bible, the Apostle Paul writing, in our anger do not sin. And and when you say you struggle with anger, it's a problem for you. Um, then you, there's always been sin that's associated with it. And when that's the case, um, you're accountable. So it's just something you got to realize. I cannot go there. Sonny, let me tell you what I tell my pastors here at the church all the time. Now, I, I can do this on two levels. One, uh, all of my pastors represent me. All of my pastors represent me in their dealings with the people here at Calvary Chapel San Antonio. More importantly, they represent Jesus Christ, and I represent Jesus. And that ought to raise the stakes just a little bit. But I tell my pastors all the time, you cannot have a bad day. You just can't have a bad day. You can't give in to your flesh. You can't say, well, I'm tired or, or, or I'm worried about something or somebody's causing me to be frustrated. You've got to fight that from the moment those thoughts come into your mind. And because you struggle with anger, Sonny, the enemy uh, is going to keep pushing that button. And you've just got to decide that I'm going to fight. I'm not going to let this happen. Then you run into the presence of Jesus and he will make sure that you don't have to give in to that temptation. You've got to recognize that this is a terrible sin against God. Tell him you don't want to do it anymore. Ask the Holy Spirit to remind you before you cross that threshold into sin. And then let the Lord have his way. So, Sonny, I hope that makes sense. I, I, I empathize with you. Um, we've, we've got a lot of angry people that we've counseled over the years. Um, but ultimately, it, it comes down to a choice. Do I want to rightly represent Jesus or not? Let me raise the stakes a little bit, Sonny, and this is just for everybody in the audience, generally speaking. For those of you moms and dads, and I don't know whether Sonny is a man or a woman, but when you've got kids at home and they see you give in to anger, then they're going to blame God for that at some point. You're misrepresenting God to the children that God gave you stewardship over. We simply can't have a bad day. That doesn't mean that we don't feel like having a bad day. It just means that we can't. God is very serious about how he's represented. Let's go to Ray on line one. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I'll make this short, and I and it's bothered me for quite a while, and I just didn't understand what was going on. And then as you were talking about it, let me get to it here. Uh, when he said... Uh, that uh, he would gladly give up his place in heaven if his, you know what, what you uh-huh. just had gone over it a minute ago. And uh-huh. uh, uh, it had always really bothered me as far as, well, where did he think he was going to go, you know? <laughs> and then then I thought about it a little more, and, and it seemed like, well, not such a bad thing because... Another thing is uh, the the first will be last and the last will be first. So you know it, it always it always struck me that you know if he wasn't in heaven, if he gave up his place in heaven, that would send him to uh, the other place that we don't want to be. Yeah. And then I thought, well, that's that's not right because uh, he 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 deserved to be in heaven. So maybe he was just referencing that, well, he wouldn't be at the right hand of 
Jesus, he would be, you know, somewhere in the background. I, I don't know, but I don't know if you come across that or any way, but uh, could you straighten me out if I, if I yeah, had a kind I, of a revelation in that? Yeah, or? Ray, I hope I can. Thank you. And I'll have to do it kind of quickly because we're running out of time. But let me say this. We, we, Paul knew he couldn't give his place in heaven. So to a lot of us, it sounds like just an empty, spiritual-sounding thing to say. But it wasn't. There's a triple affirmation. I swear it. My conscience bears witness. God knows my heart. So, so this is really his heart. He loved the people so much that he valued the, the lives of the people, the Jews, more than he valued his own life. That's a statement that he's making. Now, it, again, it's not possible. He knew it wasn't possible. But this is just the heart of love. And and he knew very well by making that statement that, that it's heaven or hell. And he said, I value the life of those Jews, my fellow Jews, uh, enough to give my place in heaven. And I think that's just something that, um, you know, I, I love my church here deeply, but I probably wouldn't give my place up in heaven for them, um, even if I could. But but that's all. that's a statement on love. It's really not a statement about where he's going to spend eternity, because that's already done. Uh, once we're saved, once we're born again, um, we're, we're going to heaven because Jesus paid the price for our sins. Let me also add this, Ray, because you said Paul deserved heaven. I think one of the things that motivated and gave real power to Paul's ministry was that he knew he didn't deserve heaven. He was the worst of all sinners. That's his own description. He didn't deserve heaven, Ray, any more than you do or any more than I do. But because of God's grace, we can be that grateful, and he was. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Remember our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies tonight at 7 o'clock. Please pray for joy of Jesus. Jerry, thank you for your call. We're praying for you. We'll see you tomorrow on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The word to stand on for life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.